0: I hope you uh, picked up a copy of the sermon notes, and uh, I'd like to simply share a message that I've entitled, Jesus, uh, the Light of Christmas. You know, what I enjoy most about the celebration of Christmas is all the beautiful lights. Uh, We light up our Christmas trees, our homes, our businesses, our our churches— And we even have uh, special light shows like Fantasy and Lights. And celebrating Christmas with lights is very appropriate because light was a very important part of that first Christmas when Jesus was born. Uh, The angels, you remember, did their spectacular light show in the sky uh, which brought the shepherds to the manger Uh, where they found the baby Jesus. It was the uh, bright light of Bethlehem's star that we just sung of earlier uh, that led the wise men uh, to the Christ child. And notice in your sermon notes what Jesus Himself said about His coming to earth. Look there at John 12, verse 46. He said, I have come as... What's that next word? Light. I have come as light to shine... "...in this dark world, so that all who put their trust in Me shall no longer remain in the dark." What would be the greatest tragedy of this Christmas? To light up your Christmas tree and home, but not to know Jesus Christ lighting up your life. So this morning, I want to take that idea of Jesus coming into the world as light to discover why Jesus came to earth. Most Americans can recite the story of Jesus' birth, but do they really understand, have they really embraced the reason that he came to earth, the reason he left heaven and was born as a tiny baby in Bethlehem's manger? Well, let me answer that question by using the word light as you see there in your sermon notes uh, to build an acrostic so Jesus came to earth the letter L first to let me see what God is like Jesus came to earth first to let me see to let you see to let the world see what God is like Uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 32 says he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and that was Simeon's prophecy when Jesus as a baby was presented at the temple. He said he is a light to reveal God to the nations. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God let me give you a couple other verses that are not in your sermon notes 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 says Christ is the exact likeness of God Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God and what did Jesus say about himself he said anyone who has seen me has seen what? Has seen the Father. Has seen the Father. Jesus came to this earth so no one would be in the dark about Him, about who God is, about what God has done for us. You know, I've been in the ministry now for over, uh, 43 years. And, uh, even considering my own testimony and, and, and many people that I've ministered to over the years, I've noticed something. If you ask an unbeliever what God is like, who God is, what, most of them have a very perverted idea of God. And we should not be surprised by that. Uh, let me just read a, a couple of verses for you in Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Notice it says there in uh, verse 4, uh, or verse 3, it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, or if, it, if it's hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, who would that be? The devil, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the very image of of God. And I also find it interesting uh, the testimony of a number of, of skeptics, including myself in coming to know Christ many years ago, that once an individual begins to study the life of Jesus and they begin to see who he is and what he did, how they come to embrace him. And to put their trust in Him. Men like C.S. Lewis, Francis Schaeffer, and we could go on and on. So, do you want to know what God is like? Do you want to know His attributes? Do you want to know how He thinks? Do you want to know how He acts? Do you want to know what's important to God? Do you want to know His attitude towards you? Do you want to know what He did for you? Then look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And in Jesus, you will discover who God is. You'll discover what God did for you. And I guarantee that you will discover a God who is worthy of your love, worthy of your trust, worthy of your worship. The letter I in the word light. Jesus came to earth to ignite my life with salvation. In other words, He came to this earth not only to let me see what God is like, But He wanted to do something for me, in me. He wanted to ignite my life with salvation. See, because humanity sinned and rebelled against our Creator, we lost God's light. And we became doomed to perpetual spiritual darkness. Isaiah wrote, darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. What a powerful statement. Darkness, as black as night, covers all the nations of the earth. The apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. And Job simply put it this way, they grope in darkness without a light. And that is the reality of the human race apart from God. We grope in darkness without a light. See, just as the human eye cannot see without light, our spiritual eyes cannot see without the light of God. If God had not taken the initiative to send the light of Jesus Christ to earth, we would have remained. In spiritual blindness, doomed to live in eternal darkness and damnation. But praise God, He did not leave us in the dark. He sent the light of Jesus to show us the way of salvation. Look there in your notes at Luke chapter one, verses seventy-seven and seventy-eight. This is actually Zacharias' prophecy at the birth of his son, John the Baptist. And as he's making this prophecy, he looks at his newborn son, John, and he says, Child, you've been destined to be a prophet of the Most High God. And he says, He has sent you to prepare the way of the Lord, to go before the Lord and prepare the way. And then he makes this statement You will tell His people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Now, how are we going to find salvation? How are we going to know forgiveness? Notice, because of God's what? Tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Who's that morning light? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, the morning light, Jesus, is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. That's why Jesus came. Now, notice there in your notes what Jesus' light does in igniting us with salvation. First, His light dispels the darkness of past sin. His light dispels the darkness of past sin. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, Peter wrote, He called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. I would encourage you to circle out of and then into... You need to understand, salvation is all about being brought out of something into something else. And Peter says he's brought you out of your darkness, out of your past sin, into now his glorious light, into his forgiveness. I love Psalm 32. This is not in your notes. It's written by uh, King David, and it was written after... He had committed adultery, after he had committed murder, and after he had tried to hide all of that from God and the rest of the nation. But, of course, you remember God broke through, brought David to conviction, brought David to repentance. And notice what this adulterer, what this murderer wrote. He said, oh... What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record has been cleared of guilt. That's why Jesus Christ came to earth to dispel the darkness of your past sin, to clear your record. To be able to declare you not guilty. But His light also delivers us from the darkness of present problems. Not only dispels the darkness of past sin, but it also delivers us from the darkness of present problems. Isn't that, isn't that a great couple of verses from the uh, little minor prophet Micah, uh, chapter 7, verses 7 and 8? It says, As for me, I look. Where? To the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to what? Save me and my God will certainly hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. And we all know you cannot escape problems on planet earth. Believers do not escape problems and adversity and difficulty. But praise God, there is no situation so great that God is not greater. And truly, there is nothing impossible with God. So because Jesus came to earth, you can have the assurance as you put your trust in Him... That he'll not only dispel the darkness of your past sin, but that he'll deliver you from the darkness of present problems as he comes along your side to be your light and to lead the way through that for you. But then notice also his light defeats the darkness of death to a future in heaven. His light defeats the darkness of death itself to provide you a future in heaven. Look at Isaiah chapter 60, verse 20. It says, Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. So God's salvation not only deals with your past sin, but it provides you a present power, provides you light today to cope with your present problems, but it also gives you what? Hope for tomorrow. It gives you the confidence and the assurance of a home in heaven. Now you ask, how can the light of Jesus ignite my life with salvation? How can my past sins be forgiven? How can I know His light to deliver me in my present problems? How can I be certain that I have a future in heaven? The first thing you have to do is come to the light of Jesus and allow Him to expose you for who you really are. To expose your sin. That you don't try to hide in the darkness any longer, but you come to His light in honesty, in transparency, and you're willing to acknowledge, yes, God, I am a sinner. Yes, I am doomed to spiritual darkness and damnation apart from you. But then realize, as you begin to be honest, who Jesus is and what he did for you. That he took that darkness for you. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you remember when Jesus was crucified What does the Bible say took place between noon and 3 o'clock when he breathed his last? It says what? The earth was covered with what? Darkness. That's, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because when Jesus was nailed on Calvary's cross, he became who you are. He became guilty of all that you've done, all that you have not done that you should have done. He who knew no sin became sin in those moments. And because he became sin, because he was there to pay the penalty of your sin, because he was there to take the punishment you deserved to be your substitute, he experienced darkness. And that's why in those moments, what did he cry out? Do you remember? He said, my God, my God, why me have you forsaken? And in those dark hours, the father had known nothing but perfect fellowship with his son throughout all eternity. turned from his beloved son because he was taking your punishment. Because he was taking your darkness. He was taking your separation from God. And then he was buried in a dark grave. But that dark grave couldn't hold him, could it? That light burst forth from that dark grave. Jesus Christ is alive. And he shines... And He's glorious. He's majestic. And He's willing to save you. Because that's why He came. Because He loves you. For God so loved the world. God so loved Andy. God so loved you. He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish in eternal darkness, but what? No eternal life, everlasting life. The letter G, why did Jesus come to earth? To guide my steps. Not only to let me see what God is like, not only to ignite my life with salvation, but also to guide my steps. Look at John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And let me just be very practical here for a moment. We're about to hit a new year. And why do so many people approach a new year with fear and anxiety? Well, the answer is pretty obvious when you think about it. Well, the reason is because we do not know what this new year is going to hold for us. And living in this world as it is, that can be very, very frightening. But here's the wonderful news. You don't know what this next year holds, but Jesus does. Jesus sees every crossroad of decision that you're going to come to this year. He sees every problem that you're going to encounter, every need that you're going to have. He already sees ahead every trap, every snare that the devil has laid out there for you. And follow Jesus, and His light will guide you. It will guide you to make the right decision. His light will show you the way to the provision, or show you the solution to the problem. His light will reveal those traps that Satan has laid. And you ask, well, how will Jesus guide me? Okay, you know, Brother Andy, I've I've seen who God is and what He's done for me. My, My life has been ignited with salvation I, 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 I have the confidence that if I were to die today, I would go to heaven. I, I know my sins are, are forgiven, but but how does He practically guide me? Look there in your notes. Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Another verse, uh, a couple of verses you may want to jot down from Psalm ni- uh, 119, uh, verse 130 and 133 where it says, the teaching, notice now, the teaching of your word gives light. The teaching of your word gives light. Guide my steps by your word, the psalmist prays. Now listen, beloved, listen. To neglect God's word is like hiking in a dangerous mountain terrain in the pits of darkness without a flashlight. That's what it's like to neglect God's Word even as a, as a believer. If you neglect God's Word you have no light. And if you have no light let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to make the wrong decisions. You're going to miss the care packages that God has already dropped along your path to meet your need. You're going to miss the escape routes that He's provided as you encounter problems and difficulty. And you're going to get caught in Satan's snares and traps. It is inevitable. And that is why it is so important to be in God's Word. And not only to be in God's Word, not only to uh, learn it, not only to love it, but with what? To live it. To obey it. See, here's how you need to look at obedience to God's Word. Look at it as the switch to the flashlight. As I'm walking, as I obey God's Word, that turns the switch on. And I have His light. But if I disobey, that what? Turns the switch off. So what's my advice? Keep the light on. Keep the light on. I love, uh, this is not in your sermon notes, but I absolutely love 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Listen, to this. it says, you must pay close attention to what they wrote, talking about the Bible writers, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Isn't that great? Like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your heart. The letter H. Jesus came to earth also to heal my hurts. He came to earth to heal my hurts. And again, let's just have a little bit of a heart to heart. Hurts are inescapable living on planet earth. This is a spoiled planet, been spoiled by the man's sin and rebellion. This planet is not what God intended it to be, and as a result, there is hurt, there's wrong, there's injustice, and no person will ever be able to escape hurt. You know, when you think about it, every one of us sitting here today, we're just one call from our lives being shattered. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. The lab results came back. You have cancer. I'm sorry, but I want out of this marriage. I don't love you anymore, and I'm gone. I'm sorry, but your loved one has died. And we could go on and on. And here's reality. Reality is, you had dark, hurtful days in 2013. And you're going to have dark, hurtful days in 2014. But again, the good news is, Jesus came to heal your hurts. Let me give you some, uh, I believe, good advice after 43 years in the ministry, and it's simply this, don't hide your hurt. Worst thing you can do, don't hide it, don't try to suppress it, don't try to minimize it, but you know what you need to do with your hurt? You need to expose it to God's light. Expose it to God's light. Do you know that doctors are continuing to discover the healing power of light? whether it's exposure to the sunlight or light therapy or even lasers used in corrective surgery. But here's the key. The wound or the damaged area must be exposed to the light. Look at Malachi 4 verse 2. But for you, for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy. What a wonderful promise! The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings, and you will go leaping with joy. But let me ask the question: Practically speaking, how does Jesus heal my hurts? And look there in your notes. First, He heals my disappointment by the light of faith. He heals my disappointment. By the light of faith. Disappointment is one of the hurts we experience in life. Disappointment is when your expectations are not met. Somebody lets you down. Let's be very, very honest. One of our greatest struggles in life is when we think God has let us down, when God has not met our expectations, when God did not come through as we would have hoped He would have come through. So we continually wrestle with disappointment. Uh, An example of that, look at Job, verse 30 there in your sermon notes. Uh, Here's a good example of a man wrestling with disappointment. Job says, I looked for good, but evil came instead. I waited for the light, but darkness fell. My heart is troubled and restless. Days of suffering torment me. I walk in gloom without sunlight. Have you ever been there, walking in gloom, without sunlight? But look at God's promise. Look at that next verse. God's promise to all who look to Him in faith, even in the darkness and hurt of disappointment. Psalm 34, verse 5. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. That was written by King David. Do you know what the circumstances were? David had gotten about as low as a man could get. For years, he had been running from Saul in the wilderness, just barely surviving, just existing. I mean, he was literally the number one uh, fugitive. I mean, he was the number on the wanted list. And then Saul and the whole army was after him. You know, and God had given him these wonderful promises that I'm going to exalt you to king. He doesn't see himself as king. He sees himself living from cave to cave, a fugitive on the run, suffering and torment, gloom without any sunlight. And he became so down. He became so disappointed. He, made the, he says, you know, I would be better off if I just left Israel and I just went over and sided with our enemies. And, and, the, and the guy was so off his rocker at this point, and, you know, we've all been there. When you get disappointed, when you get down like that, you can do some really stupid things, right? So here he is. He walks into the capital city of the Philistines, Gath, and guess what he's got on his side? The sword, Goliath's sword, that he used to cut his head off with. So what do you think the Philistines did? They said... Look who's walking into our capital city, and they arrested him. And you remember the story? They they were—they probably would have put him to death, but—but he feigned madness, didn't he? Remember that? He—he acted like he was insane, and and the king said, "Let this madman go." And it was after this experience, of uh, up to that point in his life, his his lowest point in life, where he's struggling to—he wrote those words. This is a man that knew the depth of disappointment. He knew the depth of walking in gloom without sunlight. But he says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. You know, Isaiah 28, 16 says, those who put their trust in God will not be disturbed. Romans 10, 11 says, those who put their trust in God will not be what? Disappointed. You know, a lot of my... Uh, Kids, especially a lot of the uh, girls, they they love to read. And you know, if you've ever read a good mystery novel, you know you get in the middle of that, and can it get confusing at times? It's like you're you're wondering how in the world is this thing going to work out. You get sort of very perplexed in that. And typically, in a good mystery novel, it's not really to the last chapter. Sometimes the very last few pages that it all comes together and you go, wow, and you understood what was happening before, and the reasons behind it. In other words, there, there, was a, there was a reason to the plot. I mean, it was heading somewhere. And let me tell you, the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes we make as believers is when we get in the midst of life, and when we're struggling with hurt, when we're struggling especially with disappointment, and we, we, we don't see the, any plot. It doesn't seem to be any reason behind what's happening. We close the book up too quick on God. And again, my advice, trust Him. When you cannot trace God's hand, trust His heart. Believe that He's at work. Even when you cannot see him. I, I love this verse. You might want to just jot down the reference. It's not in your sermon notes. Isaiah 50, verse 10. I love this. It says If you are walking in darkness, if you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God because he'll come through, because he never fails not a moment too early, but He's not a moment too late. Trust Him. Hold on. So He heals my disappointment by the light of faith, but notice He heals my distress by the light of hope, by the light of hope. Look at another example of uh, the hurt of distress, Job 10 verse 22. It is a land as dark as midnight, a land of gloom and confusion, where even the light is as dark as midnight. And folks, isn't that the reality of living on planet earth? Uh, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 talks about the fact living on planet earth, we're afflicted in every way. I mean, we know stress to the point of agonizing pain. And it, and if and. And even worse than that, it's not just being stressed out. It's not just all the, the difficulties in life, but it's we're, we're perplexed. As we talked about a moment ago, we don't understand. It doesn't make any sense for us, and that just aggravates the situation. And there are times where he says in Second Corinthians 4, we feel forsaken by others, by God, that we're alone, and that we're just in a dark place, and there is no light. And we find ourselves just continually being, being knocked down in life. But look at Psalm 18, verse 28. Here's our hope. Here's our hope. It says, you light a lamp for me. And God will light a lamp for you. He said, the Lord my God lights up my darkness. Psalm 42, 11, we read. Why? The psalmist is speaking to himself. By the way... Have you not noticed how often in the Psalms, especially, the psalmist is actually giving himself a sermon? That's a big part of the Christian life. It's getting in the Word, knowing the Word, and then when you begin to struggle with disappointment and distresses, sometimes you need to give yourself a good talking to. And he says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. Amen? And then notice, He heals my depression by the light of love. He heals my disappointment by the light of faith. He heals my distress by the light of hope. But He heals my depression by the light of love. Look at Job 23, verse 7. Here's depression for you. Darkness is all around me, thick, impenetrable dark. Any of you have ever suffered from depression, you can relate to that statement. Darkness is all around me. Thick, impenetrable darkness. But look at Psalm 44, verse 3. It was your right hand and strong arm and the blinding light from your face that helped them. For you what? You love them. And notice the blinding light of his faith. That presupposes that God is right. Right. At their side, there's that intimate relationship where they're looking, and we really need to realize that we're going to make it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. We'll have times of depression, times of great darkness, but we're going to make it because God loves us, because He loves us with a love that will never fail us. He loves us with a love that will never give up on us. You ask, where is God when I hurt? If you're a believer, He's in you, weeping with you, agonizing with you, loving you. And He wants to come along your side to give you the encouragement that you need. So life can beat you down, but I guarantee God will be there to pick you up. You know, going back to 2 Corinthians 4, this is how it actually reads. Paul says, yes, yes. I'm afflicted in every way, but I'm not crushed. And yes, I'm perplexed, but not to the point of despair and hopelessness. And yes, I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. And yes, I may be knocked down in life's contest, but I'm never knocked out because God's there. He's present with me to walk with me through that difficulty, to pick me up, and to use it for my good. Look at the letter T as we close the message out. Why Jesus came to earth? Well, to transform my life. To transform my life. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Talking about those who have put their trust in God. They've allowed His light to expose their sin... They've acknowledged that they're sinners, that they're guilty, but they've also let that light reveal the beauty and the glory of Jesus, who He is, what He came to do for you, and you've put your trust in Him. And then it says, for, so for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people at, of light, for this light within you, that light of Jesus, it produces something. It produces only what is good and right and true. So, God not only wants to give you a home in heaven, He wants to change your life now. In other words, let's put it in very simple terms. We talk about Jesus came to light you up, to light your life. Now, Jesus has a plan and purpose for you, He wants you to be a light for others. I find it fascinating in the Scripture. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But then Jesus turns to his followers and he says, you are the light of the world. And in the Greek grammar, the way that reads is, you and only you are the light of the world. If you don't shine in this dark world, there's not going to be any light. You're the only hope for this world. And folks, we live in a dark world. You know we live in a dark world. And it's not a time for us to close ourselves up behind the four walls of the church. To put a cover over our light. No, this is the time and age for us to arise to the occasion as God's people. And to take that light to a lost world. Through our praying, through our giving, through our going. For God to give me a burden for my neighbors and my co-neighbors, my friends, my family. To where I say I've been lit by God to be a light for God. And to bring others to that light. So Jesus said, I have come as light to shine in this dark world. This is where we began this morning. So that all who put their trust in me shall no longer remain in the dark. And as light, Jesus came to let you see what God is like. He came to ignite your life with salvation. He came to guide you, to heal your hurts, and to transform your life. Now, if you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're walking, you're groping in darkness. You're wallowing in your own independence, in your own selfishness, in your own sin. I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And He came to this earth to die for you. Jesus loves loves you at your worst. There's nothing that you can do to earn or deserve His love. He extends that love to you this morning as a free gift. In just a couple days, we'll be exchanging gifts for Christmas. And when someone offers a gift, what do you have to do before it's yours? You just simply have to what? Receive it. Take it. Own it for yourself. And so I would invite you to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. Salvation is in the person of Jesus who is Savior and Lord. So you invite Him in as your Savior to forgive your sin and to be your Lord. That you'll follow His light and be transformed by His light. And then I know most of us are believers here. We're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I trust there's been some aspect of this merit message that's touched your heart. Because even as believers, what did we talk about earlier? That You know, obedience to His Word is like a flashlight. And even believers at times, we can disobey. And it's like turning that light off. And then we find ourselves in a mess. But I want you to know... Even if you're in a crisp mess, (laughs) Jesus loves you. Again, you didn't do anything to win His love. There's nothing you can do to lose His love as a believer. That's the only thing you can be guaranteed of living on planet earth, that Jesus loves you and He will not fail you. And when you fail Him, He is waiting with open arms to receive you to forgive you, to renew His fellowship with you, and then to continue to guide you and to heal you and to transform you. So as the invitation is extended, I'll be standing at the front to, to greet anyone that has a decision of a public nature, coming to know Jesus. Maybe you've been visiting, looking for a church home. It would be our joy to receive you as part of the Edgewood family, and we would ask you to make your way down the aisle and Make that known to us and then we'll help you begin that process uh, to full membership. But I trust everyone will respond to the truth you've heard today and wherever God has touched your heart. So please stand as the invitation is extended.